Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're going to be talking about maniacs. That means bipolar disorder. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of them, but that's what uh, the main ingredient of bipolar is, is mania. And so it's uh, interesting because about 4.4% of our population in the United States alone are uh, bipolar to some degree. And uh, bipolar, I'm going to be a little wonky here because i got to go through at least the disorder to so you can kind of get an idea what it looks like. But uh, once we go there, I want to go into other parts of bipolar. But, you know, it's, let's just break it out. I mean, it, it, bipolar disorders or manic depressive illness, it's, it's basically a group of disorders that have the presence of uh, high energy phases known as manic episodes and, and typically unusual shifts in mood and, and their, their energy uh, is increased, uh, increases their activity levels. It's like a call to, to, to action and they am, am impaired the ability to function. And so the impairment created by pi- bipolar disorder can be severe and it can result in damaged relationships, poor jobs, school performance. But the bigger one is there about 15% uh, greater chance of uh, 15 times greater chance to commit suicide than the average person. And so, um, you know, the median age is about 25 years old. Uh, it occurs equal between males and females. And so, you know, the they, basically the bipolar disorder may begin in childhood or have its onsets late in life. So the bipolar disorders are typically very chronic and they have long-time, lifelong management. And they really, really, truly require a support system, an empathetic support system to assist them. Because they don't often know when they're manic. Um, and, and they actually look forward to the manic in some degrees because the manic gives them so much dopamine, which is that happy chemical that our brain manufactures. And it makes them euphoric. And so they just want to go for it and do all kinds of stuff. They feel like they're on top of the world when they're in those manic phases. Um, They they, uh, uh, often, however, uh, dominate uh, mood during uh, their their manic episodes. And the biggest thing about it is they're usually very irritable. And and they experience mania that that may display suddenly inflated self-esteem, decreased need for sleep, very talkative distractible, engage in activities that have a real high potential for painful consequences. A big one is gambling. I mean, Vegas is built on this kind of manic behavior, Uh, heavy spending, sexual, a lot of sexual indiscretion. Um, And then there's this thing called hypomania, and it's similar to mania, that there is the disturbance of mood, and, and the change in functioning is observable by others, but the episode is not severe enough to cause a major impairment in their social or occupational functioning, or it doesn't require hospitalization. So, you know, during a manic episode, and this is a true manic episode, a, a, a person usually would start multiple projects and feel that they're capable of accomplishing anything. 
regardless of their experience or talent. So one of the most common features of mania is decreased need for sleep. So they might go for days. And, and I'm talking days without sleep and not even feel tired. And often when they're in that manic, uh, their thoughts race faster than they can be expressed. And the result is usually abrupt shifts in the topic and very pressured speech and incoherent speech. And sometimes during a manic episodes, people display hostility and have uh, anger, tirades, rage, lots of rage, uh, particularly if an attempt is made to, to stop them or interrupt them. And now there's, we're starting to identify children who are at risk for bipolar disorder because uh, it's usually correlated to either a grandparent or a parent that has had this disorder. And they display a developmental sequence, and it usually begins with symptoms that aren't very specific to bipolar. Uh, usually it begins with sleep problems and anxiety. And then as it progresses into a minor mood disorder and then to major uh, depressive disorder, that blooms around in adolescence with a full-blown bipolar disorder developing somewhere between adulthood and uh, late teens. And it can either be uh, an episode of mania or hypermania, but, but it's usually a psychosis following an episode of depression. So that means they go way down. Uh, can't go to class, can't do anything, and then all of a sudden they go way up, and it's almost like it's it's euphoric. And so, you know, it's it's the problem is is it neuro neurologically restructures the brain and opens up highways that haven't been opened uh, very often. And what happens is the brain doesn't wire properly, and so uh, that m creates a more uh, consistent process of having mania throughout the course of their life. And it also increases uh, the, the mania in a sense of, of how severe it is throughout the course of life. And so the brand tends to go where it's been before. It's very lazy. And so, you know, once it builds out that muscle and the areas that create the mania, that mania uh, has super highways that the brain can go to when it's under stress or not getting enough sleep or, you know, whatever, whatever's going to trigger. But, you know, truly, it's characteristic of bipolar that the, those who are experiencing the mania, they just don't see it and they, they, they're, that they're ill. They, they need treatment and they resist engaging with treatment because they're feeling so good. And so the diagnosis and the treatment are incredibly important. And the, the lifetime risk of suicide amongst these folks with bipolar is, is at least 15 times, once I said before, 15 times greater than the general population. That's just of the United States. But bipolar is often not recognized, and it's often confused with other conditions. And, you know, people can suffer for years uh, unless they receive appropriate treatment, but they have to be willing to want to be treated, and that's where the rub is. So here's some of the symptoms. The, a manic episode is ex excessively euphoric, expansive, or irritable mood for most of the day, every day for at least a week. And th these are the symptoms, how, they're di how, how you actually diagnose um, bipolar. And, and it's accompanied by abnormally and persistently increased activity, energy, and uh, there's usually uh, three or four if the dominant if the dominant mood is irritability and so these are some of the signs they all of a sudden uh, have self-esteem huge inflated you know inflated grandiosity including unrealistic beliefs in their their abilities their power uh, 
They have decreased need for sleep, uh, unusual talkativeness or pressure to keep talking. They have a whole bunch of ideas or the sense that thoughts are racing. Uh, they can be distracted very easy, like a squirrel. And they have increased goal-directed activity, such as work or school projects or purposeless activity, just agitation. And they involve their, their involvement in activities that are likely to have painful consequences, and that's the buying sprees, uh, the you know shop therapy, uh, sexual indiscretions, poor business investments, and you know this is not good ingredients for a stable marriage or relationship. But unfortunately. Uh, you know, this this disorder carries through generations and it is strongly genetically linked. And so, you know, as they breed, uh, we tend to have more bipolar. Um, but it can be medicated and it can be treated. And these people deserve love. They deserve everything that any of us get in this life. It's just unfortunately they can't uh, um, function like the average person. So, you know, everybody in their life is going to have to adapt to their bipolarness because it comes and goes and uh, they have to be able to read some of the signs. So, here's some more. Um, you know, it, it's, it can't be attributed to medication or, or uh, abuse of a drug or medical condition. So, if that's in the picture, this diagnosis can't come into play. Uh, and, and also, the mood disturbances, it has to be sufficient to cause a huge impairment in their social, occupational functioning, or even hospitalization just to prevent them from killing themselves. And there have to be some psychotic features. More moderate mania, and that's the hypermania, it, it really involves unequivocal change in functioning, uh, you know, for or more days, but there's typically not significant social or occupational impairment. They may actually feel good. They may be better, more productive, and they may uh, make it difficult for the person or those around them to really identify the hypomanic episodes. But bipolar disorders, they're usually marked by the reoccurrence at least of one uh, uh, depressive episode, and it's usually a depressed mood or a loss of pleasure interest, feelings of hopelessness, and it usually is around, you know, like two weeks long, and uh, usually there's some other symptoms. The sad, anxious, or empty mood is present most of the day, every day. There's a loss of interest, a loss of pleasure, and all of the, most of the activities that they function in, and that has to be there most of the day, and they also have a uh, Un unintended weight gain or loss and that's like they don't realize they're not eating or they're eating a lot and so that happens and then insomnia or excessive sleep it can go either way um, so you know they they would show those kinds of signs and and they also usually have uh, psychomotor agitation restlessness in other words or a slowing down so, sometimes they have a fatigue of less energy, near, and that has to be nearly every day. Feelings of guilt and worthlessness because they've made so many bad decisions during the manic episodes. And, and they also, they have a really hard time concentrating, and they have a hard time uh, making decisions during this state. And so, they have uh, usually reoccurrent thoughts of death, suicide, or suicide attempts. 
And, and those symptoms cause a lot of distress and impairment in their functioning. And they're not, they cannot, once again, have any substance or medical condition related to it. This is just a, uh, this is how the person is. This is how their brain is designed. So, you know, some people, symptoms of mania and depression may occur together. And that's what is called the bipolar disorder with mixed features. That means they go up and down, up and down. And the mixed features is usually more agitation, uh, sleep trouble, appetite. They have some psychosis. They have a lot of suicidal thinking. They, they uh, usually often have a sad, and this is the mixed feature one. They have a sad, hopeless mood while in the same feeling extremely energized when they're in another part of the manic state. So they go way up and way down or kind of in between if they're that hypomanic uh, people. And so... When four or more episodes of this occur in a 12-month period, they have what's called rapid cycling bipolar disorder. Some people experience multiple episodes within a week and, and, and even a single day, but rapid cycling tends to develop later in this type of disorder. It becomes a more sophisticated. And so older uh, uh, people, the older they get, the more they rapid cycle. And that's not everybody. That can be young people, too. It depends on how severe the bipolar has functioned. And so, you know, it, it's just hard to distinguish in the childhood phase, uh, you know, because they also have other problems and children are still developing. So irritability and aggressiveness can be uh, uh, symptoms of uh, ADHD but it can't, or a conduct disorder, or oppositional defiant disorder, but it also can be an ingredient of an early form of bipolar disorder. And, and so here's the deal. These folks that are bipolar are usually very addictive. They love addictions to self-medicate because then they have control of what's going on in their brain. And so they they like to be their own doctor. And so what they tend to do is they'll 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 become addicted to a drug, uh, smoke pot. Uh, they they'll lean on anything to try to stabilize their moods. And they will actually totally defend the habit. You know, the alcohol, the substance. Um, you know, painkillers, whatever it is, they will flow into that and they will defend it to the T with the most rage and anger you could possibly see because they don't know what they have and they know something's wrong. They know they don't fit, but but they don't understand what to do about it. And so instead of seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist and a psychologist or a therapist, or they would choose to just go out on their own and try to handle it. The other thing about it, because they're, they're ashamed, and they're ashamed of the things that they've done, and they know that they've hurt people, and they want to be a compassionate, good person, because underneath the disorder, they are a person. They want to do, they have passions, they have things that they want to do with their life, but they have trouble getting there because this diagnosis continues, bipolar tenu continues to uh, run rampage in their life and hurts their ability to be trusted, their integrity gets damaged, and people judge them because they can't see it. And so that's the sad part of uh, uh, bipolar. And the genetics play a very strong role. And so if you have a family history of the illness, there's a good chance that somebody else in the family later on down the road is going to have a high risk to be bipolar. It's almost 10 times uh, more 
common in families that have had bipolar for them to continue to have bipolar in the family. There's some evidence that mood and anxiety and psychotic disorders occur with greater frequency in the families of those with bipolar than in the general population also. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of research that's gone into this um, brain imaging studies show that the brains of people with bipolar may differ from those of health, of, of healthy individuals. Well, duh, of course they do. For example, and, and, and it says, uh, you know, researchers have identified several brain regions marked by reduced thickness of the cortex. And other studies show that processing of the sensory stimuli is impaired during the episodes and depression may underlie the errors in perception. So depression means you're going to start making decisions emotionally and that's not the purpose of emotions emotions are meant to drive you so that means i have a thought let's say i want to take a trip okay i get excited about the trip because i start to visualize it that excitedness that sense of of looking forward that happiness that's going to be the motivator to want to plan that trip and budget for that trip and make it happen and so we use emotions to motivate us we don't just live in the sea of 5,000 emotions we have in a day. We have to pick the ones that work for us and use them to help us. And that could be anger. That could be frustration. That could be rage. Whatever it is, borrow the emotion to get something good done for yourself. You know, the other thing is, I have to tell you that, that you know, coming from a Christian uh, perspective, you know, surrounding yourself with people that believe in God uh, having a dialogue with with Jesus in your mind and and Jesus in your your thoughts is very helpful for this for this diagnosis because it takes a community to help them, especially if they have children. Those kids got to have a place to go sometimes. Uh, maybe the spouses need to be separate for a while because the other one's manic episodes. Maybe somebody needs to be visiting them and checking in on them and keep them honest about the disorder. This is a good community for uh, the Christian communities or any faith is a good community to assist with people that are bipolar. And sometimes treatment with antidepressants uh, can result in mood switching and it can prompt a manic or hypomanic episode or rapid cycling. So, you know, mood stabilizing medications are usually what's required. Uh, maybe a antidepressant with it. But the big one is the mood stabilizers. Those are the ones that we often uh, see that are part of that. And also sometimes antipsychotic medications are used to help control the manic and depressive symptoms depending on how severe like Respiradol or Seroquel or Zyprexa. You know, you know if insomnia is a problem, Usually a benzodiazepine uh, medication such as uh, clonopan or uh, lorazepam can be helpful to help them go to sleep. But, you know, the big one is if they're going to take supplements, the best one to take for their brain is fish oil because uh, the fish oil helps that, that wall be built in, in the cortex. And so that's a very important feature. All right. Now. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about signs and other kind of things like that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right. We're talking about maniacs, the people that are bipolar. And I'm not saying they're maniacs. They have manic phases. They're, you know, I am saying they're maniacs, actually. But that's only when they're manic. <laughs> so, um, you know, you got to look for signs. Uh, if you're going to want to know what the signs are, it's important. And I'm going to kind of cover a little bit of material we've talked about before. But there's a really strong warning signs when people are bipolar. And once again, when they're in that manic phase, uh, most bipolar people just don't know, they don't recognize that they're bipolar. They just think they're crazy makers. They kind of think they're fun. Um, They look forward to those manic phases because they feel better. But uh, not all of them do because some manic phases go way down to where they can't get out of bed for days. Um, But usually these phases of, of manic go on for days. And uh, if it involves no sleep, they don't care. It doesn't bother them. For some reason during that phase, sleep is just not a, not a big deal. But, you know, bipolar is a mental illness. And it has extreme mood swings from high to low and from low to high. 
So the high signs are periods of mania, while the low periods are those of depression. So bipolar relates to both manic and then depression, and they kind of go from one to the other. Some are a lighter form of depression, a more functional form of mania, what like high work performance periods, and then kind of slow day, can't really function very well. Some people are functional. Others are so severe they can't hold a job. And uh, it's not a rare diagnosis. Once again, it's about 4.4% of the United States population. And that's an increase, by the way, from 2005, because 2005, it was somewhere around 2.8%. So this is on the rise. And, and the symptoms tend to appear in the person, usually in their late teens, when they start to recognize it. But uh, early adult years, big time. And uh, it also happens in kids. Uh Women and men, it's equal, um, but women more often, there's just a little bit higher percent of women that are bipolar, but it, it can be a really hard to diagnosis, and, and it usually has to be something that somebody outside of the diagnosis has to recognize. So what's some of the warning signs? And, and that's really, really important. So it, it can be varied, and so here we go. I'm going to go into some of the signs. The mania can cause... By the way, the mania can cause other symptoms, uh, but there are, you know, key signs of the bipolar disorder is feeling overly happy or high for long periods of time, uh, having a decreased need for sleep, talking fast, often with racing thoughts, uh, they often feeling extremely restless or impulsive, like an like a animal trapped in a cage. Um, they get distracted extremely easy. Uh, they have a lot of overconfidence. And we're really talking about the manic phase. They have a lot of overconfidence in their abilities. They engage in risky behavior like impulsive sex, gambling with their life savings, going on spending sprees. That's kind of what they like to do. And, uh, you know, like mania, the depression part can cause other symptoms as well. But the big ones are they feel sad. And, and hopeless for a long period of time, uh, withdrawing from their friends and family. They, they don't have interest in activities that they used to enjoy. And, and usually they have a significant change, either lower or higher in their appetite. And they have a lot of fatigue or a lack of energy in the depressed states. And they, they have problems with their, oh, their memory in that depressed state is big. A lot of poor memory, poor concentration, can't make a decision, uh, Looking at suicide and having a pre preoccupation with death, that's oftentimes what happens in, in this depressive state of the bipolarness. And so uh, if you think someone is at immediate risk for self-harm or hurting another person, uh, you know, the biggest thing, call 911 and, and, and get somebody out there. And stay with them until help arrives and, and remove any, any kind of knives, guns, medication, other things that can cause harm. And don't judge them. Don't argue. Don't threaten or yell. Just listen. And if you think someone's considering suicide, get you know get on a crisis uh, prevention hotline like the um, National Suicide Prevention Hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. That's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Now you know mental illness is is, is big. Uh, because other people just can't see it. 
And so they don't know that the person has what they have. They probably, if they're in a manic phase, they might think they're high or something. They might think they're on crack or, or whatever. But, you know, the diagnosis, if we're really going to nail it, it's, it's really got to be other people continuously helping them understand how this is affecting everyone else and how their diagnosis is functioning in them, you know, and, and if they're single, it can be really uh, a hard time to make effort to experience dating or find someone you can be with because, you know, intimacy is, is huge to our health and our happiness. We need strategies for love in, in those times. So if they're going to be in a relationship, um, bipolar is so prevalent that it, it prevents people from being able to be with someone that's healthy. And, um, you know, and that's not good. I mean, that we all need to be loved. We all need to have good things in our life with other people. We're meant to be with other, other folks. So, you know, the more they date, the higher their odds are of running across someone with the disorder. So among people who have bipolar, you're, you're likely to meet them when they are manic because they're more likely to be out and about then. And so it's usually... Uh, Something that you've got to, when you're dating, you've got to be able to recognize that in someone else, too. And if you know you're bipolar, you have a better chance to help them. You know, there's a temptation with bipolars is to go to the dark side. So when they date, they put their best foot forward. On the other side of the story, they don't tell about their bipolarness. And uh, so the, the person... Uh, they they uh, tend to be downright antisocial when they're down. And so when they're dating someone, the person has a hard time reading who they are, what they're about, or what's going on. You know, uh, so they keep fighting to want to be up. And every time they fight to want to be up, they go down more because it doesn't come. It, it's not something that they can just command it to come and happen. And, and oftentimes they get very frustrated with that. So, you know, it kind of takes a very empathetic person, a very understanding person to be with somebody who's bipolar. Uh, because once again, it's just, it, it commands so much attention in the relationship that it, it almost runs the show uh, because they everybody's got to adapt to it. And so, you know, uh, you know, there's a big chance when, when seeking a relationship that uh, uh, we have to remember people are complex. And so, listen to the stories of sudden or radical changes of interest or jobs or relationships if, if you're dating. Take note if they have uh, made or lost fortunes. And, and you know, s stay tuned for delusional idealism or excessive energy, suicide attempts. You know, watch for drug, alcohol abuse, especially if self-medication for their moods. That's a very important aspect of if you're dating to look for in the bipolar folks. Um, also, in that manic phase, they can be very charming, and, and you know it's is it's fair game when you like someone to ask their uh, mental history or if they take any medications. At the bare minimum, keep keep a, an awareness that people have many different states, and you don't know a person until you have seen their range of emotions, the range, and, and that's why you don't want to be with somebody that you just fall in love with because you may not see a whole lot of things that involve the subtleties in that person's moods and in their stability. You know, it's not easy to be with a bipolar person. You know, they basically can wear you out when they're up, and they could be painfully miserable when they're down. 
So it takes a certain kind of patience and calm to maintain your center around that kind of chaos. So keep breathing, keep your eyes wide open, don't make any important decisions at the time, like getting married or entering a business deal until you've seen the whole picture. You know, the door is there, use it if you need to. Um, and that you need to keep in mind if you're messing around with bipolar p- people. Don't give up if you also have bipolar. There are many people in the world who are familiar with the challenge. And so people can be sympathetic and even supportive. So the right person won't be afraid of your diagnosis or they could know about it from some previous experiences. So the right person can accept you as you are and provide one more anchor to the stability and satisfaction that you need. And then there's Jesus. You know, that's another relationship that you can have in your life if you choose. The, the other thing is telling the truth about your mood swings is the first step for somebody that's bipolar to be able to function in a relationship or function in life is just be honest. Build trust. If you confess early, people who can't tolerate your swings, they will bail, and that's okay. You don't need them in your life. So say goodbye, tell the truth to the next person, and eventually you'll find someone who understands. And it's much easier to live outside of you know, the closet of this diagnosis, and, and it's less messy. You know, it, It's much better to be honest and open and function within the diagnosis and try to minimize its activity in your life. And also, you know, there's a lot of hope. There is a lot of genetic testing that continues to, to give us clues why people have mood instability. You know, seek help uh, specifically for your condition. You know, get, get genetic testing. Seek treatment based on what you, you find. Don't simply accept that you must take, uh, you know, pharmaceutical drugs the rest of your life. And, and learn lifestyle tricks that help you stabilize, like uh, people that are willing to help you, like therapists that specialize in the bipolar and uh, help you channel that energy and and give you a, a good place to go to when that energy comes. And you can have a happy life and find a partner who loves you deeply. And so this is very, very important. There's also myths that come about with bipolar. And uh, the common myth is that you, you need to experience a depressive mood in, the, in order to be diagnosed with the illness. And, uh, you know, they only need to experience a hypomanic or a manic episode is part of it. So there's another uh, myth, the misconceptions that uh, jeopardize how you manage and live with the disorder. Uh, So, you know, one of them is the episodes of bipolar are beyond your control. And, um, you know, people can do some things uh, to minimize it. You know, various behaviors and habits can trigger episodes of mania and depression, for instance, substance abuse or sleep deprivation. And so if you stay on top of those things, you can usually lessen the severity of the episodes, if not get them to go away. Um, You know, the, the, the more people can identify the triggers and their patterns, like I didn't get enough sleep and now I'm susceptible to going, you know, a little bit manic here. They're more likely to become depressed or and, and fall asleep deprivation, and that is going to trigger the mania. The more they're more effective at managing the illness, the better off their life's going to be. And uh, you know, review the course of your your illness by documenting episodes. If you do that, then you become it's more tangible. You have something to read and you can see it and it actually is something that you can function and manage if you, if you track it. 
um, that's a helpful thing because then you can kind of get an idea what's triggering your uh, your your manic episodes or depressive episodes. Um, you know, you just want to have a healthy life if, if you're bipolar and you deserve a healthy life. And so there are, uh, there's like a, a, a dialectical behavior therapy, uh, which can be very helpful for bipolar. But if I were you, I'd Google it and, and Google it and then go local and see what is here. One of the best clinics, I believe, uh, to, and I'm here I am giving him free advertising, but one of the best clinics I've seen uh, that helps bipolar people have a normal, uh, beautiful life is the Amen Clinic, uh, Daniel Amen's clinics. Uh, th- they do brain scans and basically uh, match it with uh, uh, herbal remedies and and then they vitamins, supplements, and and medication. And they do it all in one thing and you get a book that actually charts your brain compared to what a healthy brain would look like. So you have something tangible to look at and you also have a treatment modality all in one. And then they match it up with a therapist. So that's always a good thing. Um, uh, Daniel Amon's Clinic. So Amon Clinic is what it's called. And they're, they're in a lot of the major cities here in the United States. Uh, very reputable. All right. So medication blunts your emotions and it makes you feel like a zombie. And so, uh, you know, uh, individuals who this is a myth, by the way. So individuals also mistakenly believe that medications for bipolar prevent people from feeling their emotions or being artistic or prolific. Uh, You know, usually the complaint is they feel like a zombie. However, this might be a sign that someone's actually taking the wrong medication or the wrong dose of the medication. And so that's an important element to understand that if they feel like a zombie, that means the medication doesn't match the person. So maybe something else would have to be used instead of that. And also finding the right medication takes a lot of trial and error with a bipolar because they're like a moving target. So we know what works for groups of people in general, but under extremely rigid uh, circumstances from research, you never know what's going to work in one individual compared to another, especially with the bipolar. Uh, they're not, you know, there aren't a lot of specialists or that understand how the how the low dose of medication might be enough for a patient, regardless of, of uh, how manic their episodes were. That's why. With the Amen Clinic, that what's really cool is they have the brain scan, so they know what has to be uh, supplemented. It, it helps them target the medication and the dosage rate perfectly, and and that is a great way to not perfectly. Nothing's perfect, but but they can do it in a lot better way than just guessing by looking at the person in front of you. They know what the brain is deficient in and where the brain is not not uh, being helped. It's also important to explore what people mean when they report feeling numb or unemotional. Uh, They're usually feeling numb and and experiencing less emotional swings because the medication is working, and that is a good thing. And it can be a real adjustment. Often, it can be uncomfortable, even when they feel better in a lot of ways. You know, they they have to be stable with uh, medication. So, it can be a tough uh, uh, tease out to figure out what's healthy and what's stable for one individual and, and uh, what's preventing the manic episodes from taking place and the depressive episodes. This is an attempt, though, with medication to give them their life back. And that is a worthy investment for anyone. It's just how do you want to invest it? There's so many possibilities for the bipolar folks out there. All right, let's come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about myths. 
And then we're going to move back into the clarifying of the diagnosis itself to make sure it's clear in your mind what this thing is and how to understand it. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the maniacs, the bipolar disorder. Um, Maniacs meaning they're manic, they have manic phases. That's all it is. I'm not trying to make fun of bipolars. uh, But, you know, manic phases can be uh, very severe and very uh, eye-opening. Uh, for a lot of people, when they see someone going through that or they, or someone that's been through that, all of a sudden sees all the damage and crazy things that they've done. So it's important to explore when people say that they feel numb, especially when they're on a new medication or uh, they feel unemotional. You know, are they really feeling numb? Are they experiencing less emotional swings because, you know, the medication's working? That's what we really have to ask ourselves. And as a therapist, you oftentimes have to monitor this kind of stuff. And it can be a real adjustment, often uncomfortable uh, when they feel better. So so it can be tough to tease out what healthy or stable is. And uh, so that's why, you know, having a therapist outside of it can be very helpful uh, to get to down to know what should the medication, is it working or not working? 
Are they experiencing normal emotions? Continue? Are they being productive? Are they active with a quality of life that's decent? And are they managing their behaviors, avoiding emotional extremes? That's a big thing. And that's what the medication can offer folks. And the big deal is, you know, they get feeling better and then they want to get off the medication. And that is so foolish. Uh, Number one, the withdrawal effects are enormous and can throw them into a full-blown manic state. Number two is that the, they have to un- come to peace with the idea that the medication is actually helping them and helping them function, and that's why they're feeling better, and they need to be thankful for that uh, rather than just go through the, the, the pockets of bad to get better and then only to go and get worse because they got off the medication. Unfortunately, bipolar people are stubborn. They want to be able to handle everything by themselves. They hate having so many people involved in their lives. They hate being labeled something. Um, But, you know, it's a difficult thing to wrestle with. And, you know, if they're taking the medication, they need to do it for all the other people that need them in their life. All the people that count on them. Because that medication is helping them be stable and be trusted. And it's now creating much better relationships And so they need to take account for the thankfulness of what that medication is offering them. Also, you know, in in psychiatry, and psychiatry is the medical part of uh, uh, the psychiatrists come from the the, uh, medical part of our our work in the world of psychology. And uh, so there's more than one type of uh, bipolar disorder. And patients may be told that they're somewhere in the bipolar spectrum, and, and that can be very confusing. And so, you know, the person has to wonder, am I bipolar or not? You know, what? just tell me. So, you know, it's untrue that uh, bipolar is only 4.4% of our population. There are other people who have a bipolar personality, which is formed out of abuse and neglect uh, when they were a child. Uh, usually by their primary caregivers or anybody who guardianed them or whatever. Uh, the other thing is, is that people with the bipolar um, have a tendency to, to uh, be less expressful of their illness. They like to, when they're not on the high, in the, when they're in the depressive episodes, they hibernate. And uh, they just kind of go down and they don't want people to see that. And uh, they can also go into states where they're just, I, I've known bipolar people that just get in the car and drive for like 18 hours in circles, basically on a highway and don't even remember how they did it or what they, where they went or what happened. I mean, they, sometimes they can go into this psychotic phase that they don't have memories of what they did and they only have a little bit of a partial truth about what they did. Uh, a lot of times, Uh, When people are going into their manic phases, they'll seek a substance uh, to try to self-medicate, which only enhances the phase uh, that they're going into. Um, The other thing is is that they they tend to have people in their support system that offer them the drugs. And uh, they'll go to those people as they're entering that manic phase, and the next thing you know, they're off and running. You know, if you had a manic episode, even just once, Um, you know, that will tell you that, Hey, I've got to go the, I've got to go to the doctor. I've got to find out what's going on with me. Uh, but, but 
unfortunately, they the, when they're in that manic phase, that euphoria that they're getting from it, it's so addictive that they kind of want to hang on to it. They don't want somebody to kill their joy. And so uh, they, they, uh, they find themselves to be performing in their mind extremely well. Their, their self-esteem is huge. And uh, they're, they're operating in a world where they actually feel attractive and needed and wanted and powerful and, and influential and have new creative thoughts that other people don't understand. And, and they tend to flourish in their minds during that phase, no matter what you know, happens, whether it's uh, a lot of impulsive sex or spending a ton of money or what, you know, gambling or whatever. But that, that problem, that problem in the mania is they don't want to kill that. And so they, instead of having the manic phase and getting through it, they don't want to go to the treatment. And it's really good if they got treatment during the manic phase, because if you can see a person during the manic phase as a therapist, as a psychologist, as a, a, a psychiatrist, you'd have a better understanding of what it's going to take to help this person as far as the capacity for medication, the capacity for therapy, identifying the signs um, can be enormously helpful. And so, uh, once again, sleep, sleep is a big one. And if they lack sleep, they are in a much easier transition period to have either way low depression or really high uh, bipolar. You know, there's this uh, 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 cyclothymia, which is just a total up and down, up and down, up and down of episodes. And it's a milder form of uh, bipolar. It's usually in what's called the bipolar 2, which is the hypomanic one, where they just go up and down. And it's just a continuous roller coaster. So one day they feel great, the next day they don't. But the whole problem is, is that with hypomania, once again, just like depression and anxiety, your emotions are leading your life rather than your thoughts. And that's the hard part. And so they, if they can obsess on something that's what they usually do and they will overly obsess on that in order to anchor themselves onto something uh, to make them do better so they, they may anchor on a, a, a project work they may anchor on uh, doing some self-soothing of some kind but usually sex um, uh, because they feel very sexual during that that manic stuff and they, they feel good about their life and so they just want to spread the joy um, so, you know, it's um, bipolar. Also, it can respond well to talk therapies if they can learn some strategies for managing their moods. And I would say more of the bipolar two, which is the lighter version of bipolar. Those people uh, with uh, therapy, they can be much more reasonable to be able to work with and, and able to reduce stress and reduce the triggers, identify how their health, their diet, their exercise, their sleep patterns are, and just kind of getting outside of it and kind of managing and, and regulating to see how uh, much they can control the disorder, how much they can suppress it in their own way. You know, it's, it's just that it's just so hard to diagnose this. And, and so a lot of the sufferers wait 10 years or more for, for an explanation of their feelings and behavior. And, and they really, by doing that, they're pushing themselves out and, and their brain is already set into what it's going to look like, and it's already got its highways built, and so it's functioning in the diagnosis, and the, the, that means the diagnosis becomes more pervasive and takes over. So, 
you know, looking at this, what are the basic? Uh, now, we did talk about, well, I did talk about earlier the, the borderline personality disorder. And so that one is, it's, it's basically, uh, and, and unfortunately, people that have a borderline personality disorder get mixed up with a bipolar or a bipolar 2. And, uh, you know, these folks also are susceptible uh, to have uh, a lot of depression, uh, to have a lot of abuse, have a, or, uh, alcohol abuse or addiction or, or substance abuse of any kind. And uh, so it's really important with a personality disorder to understand that a lot of that came to them in the way they were brought up. So if they had a parent who was very moody, up and down, uh, where they had to manipulate or lie to their parents, uh, or if they just felt trapped in their childhood, oftentimes the bipolar folks would hibernate in their bedroom, and then when they see their friends, they just go with super energy. But they have a lot more control over when the manic comes along and when the depressive comes along because they kind of ritualize it. And then they carry that ritual into their life. And some of them uh, have seasonal bipolar uh, personality. That means it operates uh, during a season where they were traumatized when they were younger and that season tends to, to as that season tends to come into fold, the, the symptoms tend to come back in. And so, you know, people with that, they don't have the genetic component of bipolar. They have the problem that they were raised in a family where the family was not concerned about their, their them or their mental health in a way that they took it serious. And usually it was the way they were treated, the way they were treated. And that's so sad that people can have their brains formed by their parents. But that's how, what happens in this life. So it's really important if a person is a, a bipolar one, which is the really uh, manic, depressed, severe those those folks, I got to tell you, medication needs to be the main ingredient uh, because they're not going to hear anything. They're not going to help anything because their, their brain's not going to be rational enough to hold on to cognitive, just, just talking and, and solving. They, they really need work. They need medication to help them and supplements to help them and maybe prevent them from uh, having to take a, a higher form of a medication or a more severe medication. But... You know, it's really important to treat specific episodes and then plan for the future uh, to know that that episode is likely going to come back. So, you know, if you're working with a client, your biggest deal is to look at the triggers, what destabilized them, um, what kind of places do they go when they're in a manic episode? Are they going to gamble? Are they going to do sex? Are they going to have legal problems? Are they going to do crazy things? Uh, because they're really, when they're in the manic phase, they're very narcissistic and uh, they're very manipulative because they want to get their way uh, and they want to get their joy. They want to have that moment of happy and they need that. And so they often are going to go to the places where as a child, they felt most happy uh, or where they could take risks that they normally wouldn't take. And so, you know, the sad thing is when a person is, is, is labeled with bipolar, they, they take it as a very pessimistic diagnosis. And it's understandable, but you have to understand if it's a diagnosis that you've lived with or that you have, make peace with it because that's the only way to win the battle. Make peace with it and face it. Uh, 
face it and work it and continue to work it and get the right people, the right doctors in your life to help you, the right support system to help you. And, and hopefully, hopefully, and it, it may be family therapy to, to be able to help everybody else. Maybe that if you do that, your life can be what you want it to be and you can follow your passions. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net or go to the webpage, Voice America, Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, a bipolar person is the only person to answer both yes and no if they are asked, are you crazy? (laughs) Bipolars never have a problem they can make worse. Think about how much anxiety everyone around them would have if a bipolar person walked around with a necklace that had a countdown clock to the next manic episode. (laughs) And you know what? Just remember that all women can be bi, and it's your job to find out if it's sexual or polar. Come listen to our show. Thank you. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.